Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This week in PlayStation, we're talking about Horizon 3 being confirmed, what we've been playing, and your PlayStation questions answered. We'll have all this and more because this is PS I Love You XOXO. <laughs> Yo, what's up? I'm Blessing. That's Janet. That's Barrett on the ones and twos. And this is PSI Love You XOXO, your weekly PlayStation podcast that you can watch live on patreon.com slash kind of funny or later on podcast services around the globe. Remember, you can use Epic Creator Code kind of funny on all Epic Store and Epic in-game purchases like Rocket League and Fortnite to help support the channel. To be a part of the show, head to kind of funny.com slash PSILY to write in with your questions, PSN messages, and more. And remember, patreon.com slash kind of funny will get the show ad free plus a bevy of bonus content thank you to our patreon producers tripod plus plus and delaney twining today we're brought to you by rocket money but let's start with topic of the show tots 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 you threw me in for a loop we're skipping psn message because Whoa! of course topic of the show this week we're doing your playstation questions answered greg's not here me and janet are chilling we got kind of a chill week of course we got big news in the confirmation of horizon 3 but i figure why not save that for the weekly update for playstation and just kick it and talk about some uh, audience questions because we don't do that often enough i don't think on the show yeah like i don't think i've we've done it before right but i don't think i was there when we did it if we did i think so, we might like, have done it like once in the era where greg miller was gone when he, when he was having a kid <sighs> I don't think so. No? I remember those episodes like pretty well and I don't think it was in there. But either way, like I love a good um listener question episode. Like it's there's some of my favorite things. Like I just enjoy how the topic will go in like any direction or like the little things that'll spin off from it. Um it also gives us an idea of, you know, what's on y'all's mind. Obviously, we have the show formatted to have the PSN message to get a little bit of that in every episode, but just to have one dedicated to it um i'm really excited for it yeah and greg talks about all the time when we have um topics where we want you guys to to write in for where you guys are really good about writing in with thoughtful ideas and thoughtful comments and thoughtful questions and so i can always count on y'all to write in and actually give us bangers to talk about and sure enough you guys did i tweeted out this morning that we're gonna do a q a episode and i put up the tweet asking you guys to write in and you guys came through there are so many questions and i actually had a really fun time today compiling the, the the most interesting and the most thoughtful ones uh so me and janet can talk about it but before we even get there i want to start off with my own question uh janet right before this episode started we were talking about the game awards orchestra that's happening in june uh and we we're talking about like whether or not we're gonna go i have my my uh ticket already um but i've been debating on whether or not i'm gonna commit fully to it but one of the things we talked about are the games that are going to show up at the 10-year concert and i want to read through the games that are showing up that they're going to be playing in the orchestra and then i want to ask you the question if you could add one more game to the lineup to see mm. live played by the game awards orchestra what game would you have would you add so the games we have already on the list are arcane diablo elden ring final fantasy 16 god of war hades 
Hogwarts Legacy, League of Legends, Marvel Spider-Man, Starfield, Star Wars Jedi, and The Last of Us. If you could add one more game, what game are you adding? I know it's a PlayStation podcast, but I got to go with something Zelda. You pick, take your pick, even if it, mm-hmm. if it's just Zelda through the ages and kind of a compilation of a bunch of different things. Um, I think if not that, I don't think you mentioned Final Fantasy. And while I already kind of got my fill There's of 16. Final Fantasy. Oh, the 16? Okay, yeah. cool. Because Final Fantasy is another. Which like, is weird because it's not out yet, but I'll take it. Yeah, but you know, it's like I, I can kind of see th- that being there. But yeah, I think they're both in similar camps for me. And the only time I've seen, like, have you done any, like, live video game music shows before like have you gone to any orchestras before um a few weeks ago actually for gdc there was an orchestra playing um at the academy i always want to call the academy of sciences that's not it the um, bear what's the one downtown or in in is it golden gate park the one that has like the nightlife botanical garden i mean the academy of sciences is the one in golden gate oh wait no yeah you're right it is the academy of sciences so yeah the academy of sciences had their nightlight event a nightlife event at gdc and they had an orchestra playing outside and that was fun they only had like three different games though i want to say it was final fantasy zelda and i forget the third franchise we actually left before the, the third game but it was chill it was cool yeah, I think um, I think Zelda has the grandiosity that I'd love to see via an orchestra um, because they have, I think, the combination of space for complexity and also just iconic music from the just the general history. And I feel like that combination is a really good one to have. Like the only one I've gone to personally is the uh, Final Fantasy one that just happened. I think it's called Distant Worlds. I'm seeing Omega Buster in the chat mentioning that concert as well um and yeah i really loved that and i don't even like i've only played like one final fantasy game and i kind of just pulled up like i like music i like games yeah sure let's go like it, you know it's a cool opportunity and i was like super moved by it um so part of me does want to go to to attend it just to see like what it's like especially because it's i wouldn't say it's totally rare to have a show like this but just typically when you do see orchestras again it's touring with a specific franchise at a given time you don't always see like these kind of larger compilations obviously game wars is kind of known for having music incorporated throughout the show but to have one that's dedicated i feel like it's going to be super fun and the people that put together those shows too always work like super hard to get together the practicing and the music because typically it's not something that those musicians are playing that often so when they do get into it they're like really grinding to get it perfect so i feel like the level is going to be really high uh for it if i do end up attending i don't know i did see it you know past my email and i'm like oh, do i want to go up and kind of want to go to more of these things uh we'll see if y'all pull up i'm more inclined to go okay. which y'all should come through to pull up because you know why not i mean in that case i'll definitely keep you in the loop because that would be an actual reason for me to go if i'm going to actually see people that i know um i, I for me I bring up nintendo is, is a good point because i look through and there's not one nintendo game in in there so like i could see a mario or a zelda uh keeping it on the playstation side you mentioned final fantasy i think final fantasy 7 in particular would be dope to have here like it's cool that they have 16 right a game that's not out yet but when i think about final fantasy and soundtrack i'm thinking about final fantasy 7 i think it'd be dope to have sephiroth's theme i think it'd be dope to have the battle theme i think that stuff works really well in, an or- in a live orchestra um i also think about uh what was the one i had in mind oh near i think near would be my go-to right i think near automata for me and near replicant for that matter have some of the best soundtracks i've ever heard especially if you're looking for something orchestral and you're looking for something that involves choir the 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 soundtrack in near is absolutely beautiful um and is one that i would love to see live and then oh i had one more but i can't oh undertale i'd love undertale to show up i think that'd be a fun one for a live orchestra bonkers like the complexity in 
the Undertale soundtrack is immense. Like yeah. it's, I think on that note too, you know, you think of other like iconic franchise or uh, iconic games for soundtrack is of course, you know, it, on the indie side, like Celeste would be oh, an incredible yeah. one. Chicory. Um, yeah, Chicory would be fun too. But like, I, I'm thinking too, I have like the sheet music for Celeste, like the piano sheet music and like, man, I'm so far away from being able to play the easiest song in there because there's like mm. so much going on. There's so much, I think, fun with pacing too in that soundtrack. And I feel like that's something, you know, the the more I start to learn the ins and out of music and orchestration and the um, sort of the work and the theory that goes behind it, the more I kind of appreciate what you can get out of an orchestra. That being said, you know, with something like Celeste, where so much of it is open to interpretation in terms of the pacing of the songs, like it does a lot, like a lot of the notes in that sheet music are, um, I forget the name for it, but basically means like out of time or like slow to like whatever time you want. So you can play a lot there. And that really is where orchestration and having like a good conductor comes in with like having your own flavor to a composition so i feel like that one would be really fun and honestly i'd be kind of down for horizon i feel like horizon doesn't have the most fire soundtrack but i do like the main theme like i sing the main theme is great like i sing that shit badly all the time in my house and i'm like it'd be nice to hear it done well instead of just me being like i nailed it there i heard it like i heard it in the menu just now I've been getting the practice in, you know, and then also too, like who among us hasn't just like sat on the the menu and it's like you're doing other shit before you start playing. It's like da, 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 da. anyway, so someone good doing that would be nice to hear. Hell yeah, I'm all about it. All right, to start off with topic of the show again, we're doing your questions answered. I want to start off with a question from Rolando Zuniga, who writes into kindoffunny.com/slash/psily, just like you can, and says, "What are the top five underrated PS5 games to check out?" We always get a top five or we always get a top X list to check out. But with so much to play, a lot goes under the radar. I appreciate what you guys do and keep crushing it in all you do. Janet, are there any games that come to mind when you think about the top five underrated games to check out on PS5? Yeah, obviously top five implies that it's like, you know, again, the top five, like the idea of me finding the pinnacle of underrated in terms of quality and not being known. Uh, rather than doing that, I'm just going to scroll on my list and kind of name the ones that I don't hear talked about that I really enjoyed. Caveat that some of these I haven't beaten. So it's like, oh, maybe it falls apart later. But um, Heavenly Bodies, it's a uh, co-op mm. space game uh physics based but not so wonky that you can't totally control it to some degree i played this with isaiah probably like freaking i don't know two plus years ago um i think the art is really um charming and just like what you're doing maneuvering around the ship and kind of having these different objectives you know if you're watching the video version barrett has the uh gameplay the trailer stuff pulled up um there's a lot of fun with movement in it and it's kind of got like this puzzly aspect to it too, where you're like problem solving, but also like tackling these objectives. So um, I really like that one. Um, kind of a, again, I'm trying to think of ones that are not as well known. So it isn't just like, oh, it's the title that we always talk about, but not if people played. But honestly, um, I kind of really vibe with Solar Ash as well. Again, mm-hmm. a lot of kind of spacey, whimsical vibes, but um, I enjoy that game for which we actually have saved this for like what game is just okay that you really like, but I just really like skating around and moving in that game. I feel like it has a beauty to it that you can get kind of lost in. And that's personally how I approach playing that one. So, you know, that one comes to mind, you know, you and I always talk about hot wheels unleashed again. Oh, that's pretty a really no- good one. Pretty known title. Like I do want to try to find like more of the in the weeds ones that y'all maybe haven't heard about, but hot wheels unleashed. I feel like, 
went by and never really got as appreciated as it should have been. Um, and there are flaws in that game. I do think it's a little too difficult. And then the easy is like a little too easy. So I think that I I would love to see the difficulty a little bit more fine-tuned or more nuanced in there. But, I mean, striking, uh, fun, challenging, interesting races. Like, the, it controls really well. I think it really manages the arcadiness with needing to have some skill level to get through it um you know of course you and i always talk about operation tango that'd be my third pick again that one i feel like if y'all have been listening to the show you know operation tango but i feel like not enough people have checked that out and the more we get these kind of bigger um i guess like marketing like more attention co-op games the more i look back at operation tango and think about how much it nailed it you know what i mean and like i love skip academy as well but operation tango like it's like I keep it's, me up at night. You it's know weird what I because mean? like Operation Tango is one where I when I when I think about my time playing it, I sometimes think about like, oh yeah, well it was a small game. Like, you know, it wasn't it didn't have like the the uh, biggest production behind it. But then I think about my time playing that game with Yami and like having like our back and forth and us doing different things at the same time. And I've I've not been able to recapture that feeling of playing Operation Tango since even in a game like Escape Academy, which I really enjoy Escape Academy, Operation Tango I think had something to it just in the fact that it was designed to be played online and you and your co-op partner looking at different um, different things doing entirely different activities that are interacting with each other at the same time i think operation tango nailed that on a different level that i've not really seen a lot of games get as right yeah i think it's because it's so um prescriptive yet like it opens up a lot of opportunity for um communication and by extension miscommunication yeah. while also giving you like interesting tasks to do where it's not like you're simply i mean a lot of the puzzles are like tell me what you see here you know it is relaying information but it doesn't feel like you're totally just waiting to input information and again some puzzles are a little bit more like you tell me that it looks like a sun and i put the thing in the dial or whatever um but so often you're doing something else i think too it's unique in that it was almost impossible for me to really know what Isaiah was doing when I was playing, you know, when you play yeah. two roles, you can flip them. But there were times where there were puzzles I'd encounter. And I'm like, I'm telling you information. We're getting through the puzzle. We're doing it. I have no idea what, I, what, what you're looking at. I'm just kind of going with it. There's a little bit of, I think, trust and levity uh, to that. That's really fun. And the last two I'll shout out um, are Little Nightmares 2. Again, I feel like mm. indie sequels off to get swept in the rug. I think this improved on everything the first one did. Super fun, really spooky. Stories a little bit, mm, not my favorite. I just feel like it's a little, it's a little vague. But I really love that game. I feel like it came out and no one really talked about it. But I, you know, stand that really hard when it, the year came out. And then Maquette as well. I do think it gets a little bit of flack for not being as interesting as other puzzle perspective games but i think it's still really good and i enjoyed the story quite a bit and i think it does story better than not better than most games but in most games of that type but it had a more direct emotional layer to the story while usually you know something like super liminal it's like there is a story but it's kind of like you're just in a weird spot maquette Mm -hmm. was very much like a like a it's more grounded and relatable Yes, it's a perspective puzzle game about relationships. And I think there was something beautiful in both the presentation and the kind of diorama quaintness to it. And also the idea of what is it like to meet someone, fall in love and have that relationship evolve and maybe to a degree also fall apart. And how can that be sort of represented through 
space and how does space evoke a sense of time for you you know and mm. i feel like people it doesn't get enough credit for doing that i think there was something so cool and intimate about that and i think it's so challenging to create that level of intimacy in a puzzle game so those are my uh five underrated games that i'd like to highlight but what about you what do you got i already see your list and i got some i'm ready to co-sign so i'm excited to hear what you got yeah i i, I first, firstly i hope we never we never stop seeing puzzle games like maquette because I, I for me that's one of my like one of my low-key favorite genres like the first person weird perspective yes. puzzle games where you know like you take a key you put it somewhere and all of a sudden it's a different size or like you have to line up things based on how you're looking at them like i'm, ta I'm talking about about my kid i'm talking about super liminal i'm talking about uh manifold garden um oh there was one anti-chamber coming out soon viewfinder's coming out soon i think that's gonna be the next up and i'm and i'm hoping that it hits even more than the ones that i just mentioned because i think a lot of these games have the tendency to to come and go because none of them have that staying power that portal does like i think portal was the early one to come out and be like damn this game nailed what it was going for completely and the like the concept of it the idea of it is so smart and it works so perfectly that it's in, it's entirely impossible to top portal but i love seeing other people or other developers figure out their own takes their own spins on it and yeah i love seeing a game like maquette be like cool let's do this but let's add an emotional angle and let's add in this story about relationships and actually make it this thing that is very heartwarming and so shout out to maquette the games uh that i have here because i wrote mine down uh first off the pathless you know, you mentioned Solar oh, Ash uh, and shout out to Solar Ash. The Pathless is like kind of like my Solar Ash where I played Solar Ash and the whole time I was like, okay, this is cool, but it's no Pathless to me. Like Pathless was yeah. the one that I played and I was like, oh, this is it. Um, of course, this was a PlayStation 5 launch title. It's one of my favorite launch titles from the PS5, if not probably my favorite launch title if I sit down and really think about it. Um, I mean, one of the things I love about it the most, honestly, is it invokes so much shadow of colossus in it and like in, in its ethos right and like its world design and its tone and like how serene the world is how kind of like you know empty and like um how much the world goes for hey there was a society here that like something happened and you are going through and you're kind of like getting the story of this land while also encountering creatures and encountering puzzles and all this stuff it's like it's a me ass type of game but also it's a game that i would say is very beautiful playing having this game be the first games i got to play on ps5 in performance mode really helped me see performance mode shine and really uh cement the fact that oh this is how i'm gonna play games now because this game the locomotion uh, in it is very fast and fluid you are hitting these talent these like talismans in the air as you're running through the land and the talismans allow you to like pick up speed and playing that way and also having the fluidity of 60 fps and, and all the tech stuff that goes behind it and like also how cool the visuals and the art style looks right how high contrast and how colorful uh, everything is really hit with me i was like dude this game is fantastic um and more people should be talking about it and i still feel that so shout out to the pathless uh another one that i talk about in terms of an underrated game is the forgotten city i talk about it a lot um and i have i have talked about it a lot since the game came out but man like you want to talk about a game that brought me back to the things I really like about the Bethesda RPGs while also being this concise um, narrative story that, you know, is also kind of this detective tale. We are talking to all the characters, trying to figure out what the routines are. Um, the whole premise of it, of course, is that, like, you end up in this, you know, weird um, world that is, like, uh, you're, like, you're in the Forgotten City. You're in this kind of, like, fallen kingdom where people can't really make it out and you're you're uh you come across like it's like a, it's a roman city stuck in time yeah that's a good way to put it right yeah, like a roman city stuck in time and then you come across the golden rule which is essentially you cannot um commit sin in this world right like if you if, if you do that the whole world is fucked right like if you commit the if you fuck up the golden rule you're fucking up society um but then that like then feeds in with these 
time loop mechanics that then allow you to, to restart the the world in this really cool way. And I think the thing I love about the most is that because of how small and how focused it is in terms of these are the characters, this is the world, it's all very walkable, it's all very like condensed. They're able to do a lot with the depth of the story and how they explore the um like its themes. Like it goes deep into the themes of morality and um and, and all that stuff. And so Absolutely adored this game. I think the characters are fantastic. And yeah, I think the story is very entertaining. Uh, so shout out to Forgotten City. Near Replicant is my third one. Fucking love Near Replicant. And of course, you know, this is coming off of me also loving Near Automata. But Near Replicant was one that I was curious about because, you know, Near, Near Automata is such a, oh man, okay, this is the one that came through and really opened people's eyes to, to Near, right? Before it was just the nerds that knew about Near Replicant. But then coming into Near Replicant after playing Near Automata, um, I was surprised by how much the story hit um, in terms of like in terms of characters, in terms of formatting an action RPG in a way where I just couldn't stop playing. And they do the similar thing that Nier Automata does, which is, hey, you, you got to play this play through uh, certain story beats multiple times to really get everything that the game is offering you in terms of narrative in, in the characters and doing that unveils like different moments and different things that the story does and i fucking loved it and again i fucking love the, the, the music of it the style of it um yeah new replicant i would say is a is a very special game and i and i want more people to check it out and so that's my number three number four what is, order really quick what order do you recommend people take that in like if i wanted to play near should i play replicant first should i like does mm, it not matter like what would you I'd say, what should be the entry point it's funny because near replicant takes place technically before near automata but i would say check out near automata first like i still put Nier Automata above Nier Replicant in terms of which I like better. Um, and also Nier Automata, I think, is probably just easier to get into, right? Like, sure. I think the mechs of Nier Automata are really cool. I think the world building and the story stuff there is a bit more engaging. So I think Nier Automata might be easier to get into. And then once you get around to Nier Replicant, I think having Nier Automata set the stage eases you into to, to Nier Replicant. Because especially with, like, the lore that's introduced in... Uh automata and granted i've beaten neither of these games like both of these games should be extremely my shit uh especially with like how much replicant feels like ocarina of time in a lot of uh, uh specific ways mm -hmm. um but yeah from what i remember of like they're in the same world but like they're so far apart it doesn't really matter uh but i would agree with bless just like uh, the the setting of automata i think is a little bit more interesting for people to get into and then if you're interested in the lore and the backstory of this world i think replicant does uh, yeah. a solid job of like fleshing that stuff out one thousand percent uh but fourth game is clang 2 clang 2 it's funny i was just playing this game uh last night it's such a uh, this is a game that, that um found its way in my email i saw it through a press email about like a year or so ago and i was like what is clang 2 and i read this read the description and the description was like Hey, Clank 2 is a, a rhythm action game that like features like this cool weird neon world. I'm like, this seems dope as hell. And I started playing, and I was like, this is fucking dope as hell. It's basically a rhythm game, and you're playing this game with two buttons, pretty much, right? Like you're using your analog stick to rotate around the cursor, and then you're pressing square to then like keep up with the rhythm aspects. And when you look at it, it kind of looks like a 2D action platformer, but it plays completely like a rhythm game. Like you're not really controlling the the, the character. The character is just like going as the beat, the beat in the song is playing. Um, but it's like super fast, super fun, dope ass music, dope ass visuals. And um, it's a short game. Like I beat this in the span of what, like three hours? 
or so. Um, it's a pretty concise game, but I had a really fun time with it. And so if you're somebody who's just looking for a rhythm game and you're like, oh, I want, I want some dope music. I want to get into the into the rhythm. rhythm uh, Clang 2 for sure. And then, of course, shout out Sackboy A Big Adventure. This is one that I feel like me and you talk about all the time now. But when you're talking about the launch lineup of the PS5, it's one that gets dismissed a lot as a launch game. And I'm like, no, man, this is a real good 3D platformer. Like, little yeah. Sackboy A Big Adventure has the stuff. I really love the the music levels. I really love the, like, I love the shift in general, right? Because they're going for a Mario 3D World style game. And I think, I would say, they find their own identity with it and they find their own flow with it and make make it their own in a way that I appreciate. So shout out to Sackboy A Big Adventure. Um, and then a bonus one I'll throw out there is Prey. Um, it's not a PS5 game. It's technically a PS4 game. And if anything, I'd also say, like, play this one on Xbox Series X because of the FPS boost. But um, it's a game that I'll say is un- super underrated that I wish more people would talk about because this game is fucking rad. When I played it last year, maybe it was about two years ago, I was blown away. I was like, dude, this game this game is way better than y'all give it credit for. Um, of course, an arcane game from Arcane Austin, who's about to put out Redfall. Um, but I'll leave X- XCast to talk about all that. But yeah, Prey is dope as hell. And so if you have the time, definitely pick it up and play it, even on PlayStation 5 if you want to. Yeah, I've been meaning to. I'm a little bit intimidated because it's it's a little scary, right? Yes, it is. It's it's very scary. Oh, honestly. It's scary. No, that, that it's very scary. Tormenting to the point that I couldn't keep playing because the, the, the idea of the mimics is just absolutely awful. Yeah, I, I really like, want to try it out though. Everyone says it's like hot fire. Like I've been hearing about it since it came out about how, but also oddly enough, like it's one of those games that gets a lot of love. But one of the reasons is the same reason you met, you're mentioning it now which is like uh, it's still not loved enough you know what i mean like the yeah. people that love Y'all it really love, it like to yeah like the people that love it are championing it so that's why i know about it but it definitely is like kind of didn't really get as much of its due as i think it could have except for like the i don't know the the deep cut content yeah. like i'm sure waypoint was like hyping this game up you know what i mean like it was yeah. that kind of that kind that's of the thing title is, this is a Ar- this is a, an arcane game that is for people who fucking love arcane games. Like, it is everything you want out of that type of game in this cool sci-fi horror setting. And, yeah, like, the mimics are, uh, like, if, you, if you're if you somehow not familiar with, like, the premise of Prey, right? Like, you're in the space station, um, and, like, you're playing, like, this first-person uh, stealth-slash-shooter kind of game, right? Think, like, something like Dishonored. Um, but the enemies in the game, the mimics, are basically able to enter different objects in the world. So you'll be, you'll just be hanging out in a room, and you'll look at a cup, and you're like, oh, what's up with that cup? It's, that cup is kind of moving, kind of weird. And why is that cup moving? <laughs> and then, like, out out from it hops out a mimic that you'll then fight. Um, it's fucking awesome. It's fucking great. And then, yeah, there's, like, just so many immersive sim elements. You can really choose and dictate the way you play, right? Whether you want to, like, double down on certain types of abilities versus other abilities. There's a lot of choice. Um, and, yeah, like, I, I, I think anybody or everybody should check out Prey. I've been saving it for like a Halloween stream. Like I also have this dream. I don't know if I'll ever do it because it's so much work and I don't know how I'm going to make the time in my schedule to be able to do it, especially because fall is always like a hot time for games. So I imagine October would be just as busy as any other review season. But I would love to do like a 30 days or maybe just 30 days, but like only Monday through Friday of like horror or horror adjacent games like on Twitch mm. and have and I've been saving prey for that non-existent event. But like any year this is going to happen. So we'll see when I get around to it. Our next question comes from Bander SN, who writes in the kindoffunny.com slash P-S-I-L-Y and says, expand alone versus DLC. I just finished up Burning Shores this week and really enjoyed it as a smaller Horizon experience. It almost felt like a Horizon expand alone with how important it is for the story and how big the final boss was. 
My question for discussion is what do we prefer when it comes to additional content and franchises? Expandalones like Lost Legacy and Miles Morales or big story critical DLC like Burning Shores, Iki Island, and FF7 Intergrade? Are the expectations different? Does marketing game uh, as an expandalone naturally make it feel more important? Could Burning Shores have been an expandalone or Lost Legacy have been a DLC? Janet, what do you think? I feel like log. I haven't gotten to Lost Legacy yet. It's on the list. The fine, you know, I've, t- I've finished the Uncharted games, but I do want to hit up Lost Legacy just to really, you know, dot my eyes and cross my T's. I'm not going to do the PSP, the PS Vita thing though. That's just too far, you know. But I will be hitting that up at some point. A lot of people tell me Lost Legacy is the best Uncharted. I feel like that's become a little bit more of a popular take as the years have gone on. Maybe it's just my circles. I don't know. Um, I probably prefer DLC in a sense, just because I think with the expand alone thing, I think the fact that like Lost Legacy and Miles Morales are even in here for that, while Miles Morales is very much like, no, this is its own Spider-Man game, but also not enough to be Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 2 is coming out this year. You know what I mean? It's like in this weird spot. And I feel like from based on like the aspect of the question with the like, our expectations is different. Like, does it kind of like, how does it affect the conversation around the game? I feel like, Miles Morales has been rough because it's so good, but like no one fully cares because it felt like we weren't supposed to. And I feel like that sucks for a lot of reasons. One, it's an incredible game, um, especially now that I'm doing the the trophy hunt on it. The more I play that game, the more I appreciate what it's doing and feel like I, I kind of slept on it low key. I know we, we meme that like, oh, blessing is Miles Morales. But mm. honestly, I played that and was like, yeah, it's great. But like, I didn't really care about the details as to why it's great and the more time i spend with it the more i appreciate it but i think so much of the scope of it did end up doing it a disservice because people can't help but kind of put it in that bucket even though it's not really supposed to be there so i feel like with dlc it's kind of like all right it's not i wouldn't say an automatic win because you can still make whack dlc or dlc that doesn't feel you know worth the price or all these different aspects or that undercuts the story like there are ways to do dlc wrong but for the most part it's like if it's good that's great while these expand alone examples i think end up getting stuck in no one believes that it's as good as it is because of what it is if that makes sense and i'm getting a little conspiracy theory-ish with it but you know mm. what i mean there's like a vibe i, I think there's to like legacy and miles it's like a stigma attached to them because of the scope of their game yeah i think people tend to look at like the 40 dollars game is not as oh this is as premium as the mainline thing right which like changes what your expectation and changes how you receive them but to the question of you know are expectations different yeah i think expectations are different and i think the way you market and package these things do matter and i like the separation of dlc and expand alone and i like what those things do individually if lost legacy if uncharted lost legacy was a dlc to uncharted 4 it would be considered the best dlc of all time because it is a full ass video yeah, game it's a full other game <laughs> yeah it's a full it's a full ass video game you're getting a lot of hours out of that thing you're getting like you're getting a full-fledged story with a beginning middle and end and, like and i think at the time like people felt like it was comparatively short just because uncharted 4 was longer but like yeah it's roughly the time like the it's like uh, uncharted 2 size uh, uncharted 1 i would say but mm-hmm. yeah like around that like of uh, the original trilogy for sure yeah like it's a it's that is a good amount of game that you're getting and it's a great game and yeah i like to your point janet like a handful of people would say lost legacy is their favorite i'm one of those people i really liked lost, lost legacy even compared to the other uh, uh uncharted games and so yeah i think having that be a standalone thing having that be a what you'd call an expand alone i think works for it and I'll, I'll even say the same thing about miles morales like i think it is the balance of what do you do with that time like i think it's okay for games to be shorter it's okay to have a 
first uh, or a single player PlayStation Studios game that is seven hours long, 10 hours long, 13 hours long. What are you doing with that time? I think that is the thing that matters. And then also, how do you market it to the audience? And I think PlayStation's done a pretty good job of being like, hey, this is $40 or this is $50, right? This is fit to 60 however um, they're pricing it out to make sure you know that this is we're we're not putting this on the level of the mainline game that where you got all this content where you got all this stuff and people might feel like either way about that but i think the fact that they're giving that range of price while also being like but no you should care about this i think works in terms of how they're selling it how people receive it critically and all that stuff is going to be another thing i think we do a good job of managing those expectations Lost, Lost, Lost Legacy, I think, does get lost in the shuffle, no pun intended. But if I look at reviews for Lost Legacy, like, I think that game still got pretty good reviews. Maybe not as high as Uncharted 4, but I think that, yeah. again, comes with, you know, the amount of content, the amount of game we're getting out of Uncharted 4 versus Lost like Legacy. A, it came in a busy year, too. That was 2017, from yeah. what I remember. So that was, uh, you know, we're in the middle of Breath of the Wild and anticipating, yeah. uh, anticipating Mario and all that stuff. So, And on the flip side, for Horizon, right? I'm coming off of Horizon Forbidden West, Burning Shores, and I really enjoyed it. If that was an expand alone, if that was a standalone game and PlayStation's like, hey, pay $50 or like pay like a standalone price for this video game that you're getting separate from Horizon, I'd be disappointed in it because it's just it's mechanically and in terms of how the game functions, it is completely Horizon Forbidden West because it's DLC, right? Like in terms of new content, you're getting new story content, you're getting a new area, you're getting new quests, you're getting like one or two new enemies, right? In terms of machines that you're fighting and then you're getting like, of course, the human enemies, but like it plays and functions as DLC because it is more closer to the base game that it's based out of um i think once you get out of that i think it is all about scope right lost legacy miles Morales, these are things that had way more scope than something like Iki island or something like burning shores and it makes sense to spin those off especially because you can treat that as a moment i'm somebody and i've talked about it before that dlc for me is very much hit or miss in terms of whether i care and care enough to get back to it usually i'm like i don't want to come back to this game a year a year later yeah same a lot of these games if they're if they're marketed as, as a standalone pushed as, as a standalone thing i think it's just easier to get excited right it's easier easier for me to be like oh shit a new uncharted game oh shit a new you know horizon game or whatever the thing is right i think that's why we talk about god when we we're talking about god of war ragnarok and they announced it so soon a lot of us were like yeah, what if this is an expand alone? Like, what if this is uh, what Miles Morales was? Because the idea of getting those things faster and having a, oh, here's a quick hit of a full game, I think that's just ex an, an exciting way to do it. But I think PlayStation and their studios have done a good job of figuring out where that fits when. Like, I like that we're kind of getting the half and half of DLC versus expand alone. Our next question comes from Emmett Watkins Jr. who writes in and says, what is the middest games that you love? And to make it harder, Bless can't save Sonic Frontiers. <laughs> Would you... You wouldn't couch Sonic Frontiers as mid, though, anyway, right? How do we define mid? Because I've always seen mid as, like, average. I see mid as, like, middling. As in, you know, like this is really... It, uh, I feel like almost a little bit lower than that. Where okay. it's, like, it's not good enough for you to say, like, oh... You know, because so here's the thing, like zooming out kind of quickly, um, there's the conversation of like the idea of a seven out of 10 game. And it's interesting because a seven out of 10 is good on most one to 10 scales. It is quite literally labeled as a good video game. But I think the reason kind of rightfully so that a lot of consumers and even to a degree critics kind of say, oh, it's just a seven out of 10. And there's that disconnect of, well, I thought seven out of 10 is good. Like, isn't it good? It is, but seven out of 10 feels very much like I technically have to look at this and admit that it is good, but I, I, I wasn't like 
wowed I wasn't by wowed it. By it didn't it. it didn't pack that punch to get to great. It's kind of like you know, you can get a, a B on a lot of things you turn in, but when you really think about that work that went into it, like, was it, did you really do a good job or did you just do the assignment and technically you show that you have the skill to do these whatever things, right? So See, that, that's it, a C grade to me, not a B grade. But I also, you're the teacher, I, I so think, that's... I think the, line, I think the line's fine, though, because I think, yeah. and that's why you see a lot of those games that are 7 out of 10 games might have a couple sixes in there. You know, some people were like, this actually, this isn't good. It's just okay. So I think it just sort of depends. You know what I mean? Like, but that's that's why I think there is that um, association with seven out of 10 being kind of like whatever, because it's like, you, you ba you're barely good, I guess, if I really have to like put you somewhere. And maybe I would put you somewhere else depending on the critic or whatever. So back to the question of what is mid, I feel like mid is like, I could see why someone would give this like um it might be why someone could give it like a five or a six mm -hmm. it's like a five or a six I, I would say i can i can i, like, I think a Gotham little Knights bit of is that mid, where I it's think... not like it's not bad or actually it's kind of bad i don't know but it's like it's it's something that's like oh this is i don't know it's, it's, like a it's feeling, weird you know, because like, it's mid as fuck like for right? me the, like, uh... for me there's a context to sonic frontiers where i can see why somebody would give it a six or even a five right like i might disagree with a five but i can i can see how somebody would get there but because of what Sonic has been. For me, Sonic Frontiers is a step forward, right? It's a step sure. in the right direction. And so I wouldn't call it mid based on what Sonic has been. I'd be like, oh, yeah, no, this is this is great. But if I was comparing Sonic Frontiers to, like, a 10 out of 10 game, then I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's mid, right? It's, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. I it's think contextual. I didn't play a lot of Sonic Frontiers. Um, but from what I played, I wouldn't say it's – I might still – I probably would give it, like, you know, like a 6 out of 10 or something. It's not quite mid because I think it's – it does too many things really well and too many things really badly to be mid. Cause that's the other thing too. I feel like mid is like, it's not even that like you fucked up. It's just that like, it didn't quite come together. So now I'm actually questioning what I wrote down here. Cause when I first thought of a mid game, I love, I thought of serial cleaners because that's a game that critically I would maybe say is like a six out of 10, like it's okay. But I fuck with that game so heavy, but then I'm like, maybe it should be lower than that. So then I'm thinking Clive and wrench, but I'm like, Clive and wrench is kind of low key bad. So maybe it's hard to find like that mm -hmm. perfect uh, middle ground ha, 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 of those. But those are the two that I kind of throw out there for, you know, serial cleaners, I would say is more like a six and Clive and wrench it's probably like a five. Um, so like that kind of gives you a sense. But yeah. to to dig into like the why I love these games. So sewer cleaners, again, I would catch that more is just okay. It is a game where you are a cleaning crew. It is the sequel to Serial Cleaner. And the sequel just has an S. It was, you know, mistakes That's were made. A okay? terrible naming scheme. I know, I know. Mistakes were made. But you know, take a walk with me. Cause I, I fuck with serial cleaners heavy. It's top-down stealth action where you are a group of cleaners and you clean up for the mob. So basically like you're going to these little rooms or like these buildings and you're trying to evade like the cops and whoever else might like catch you cleaning up because you're like going in, you're like cleaning up blood or you're destroying evidence. And there's something just really charming about I think the premise of it and just the act of kind of a basic stealth system. It's like this stealth system's not gonna wow anybody it's kind of just getting getting the job done, but I enjoy walking around. It, there's a there's a simplicity and a quaintness to serial cleaners. But also, I'm just a big fan of like cleaning in a video game, like the idea of a really rote, repetitive task. That's what serial cleaners kind of offers. And the different um, I haven't beaten it yet, but the different like cleaners have 
different skill sets. So like one of them is like a graffiti artist and they can like tag up a spot and the cops will go to where they tag. So you're like walking around doing these different things, setting up like, you know, it's the kind of game where you're like, oh, click this and the alarm will go. And then you're like loop around. And I think it has like a pretty nice uh, safe system throughout it too, where you're kind of slowly working. So what I really like about this is just the, again, the quaintness and the meticulousness. And it's kind of just a game that you can like sink into. And it does hit, the reason I thought of it for that, that mid thing is it is, a game where you're kind of just going through the motions in a sense, but the motions I'm going through, I really like. And then Clive and Wrench, this borders on bad. This is a <laughs> mascot plat. I have been dying to talk about this game and I'm hoping to beat it so I can really give a full thought. This is a 3D platformer um, where you're playing as a rabbit and you have a wrench. So very much, it's very much like Banjo-Kazooie energy, mm. but it see what it the thing that sucks about this game is that it's just kind of like it's a it's like a little rough around the edges and it's one of those things where it feels like you took a lot of ideas and you kind of just smattered them all together and you're like this is a a good time right and it's a good time for me because i fuck with platformers heavy so like i'm spinning around i think the mechanics are surprisingly deep with the fact that you can like jump and then you take your little like um i don't know you're, you have like a monkey on your back like he's your like your little buddy you're a rabbit you have a monkey like why are they together like again lots of reasons this ends up becoming a middling experience but you can like whip them and do a little like hover thing you go into different areas like it's it's the kind of game where if you're not a platformer stan you probably will really hate it and also feel like it's not quite well designed enough to pull off the jumps but if you're a platformer stan and you're good at platformers you're like oh i can get by on this i can i can ride this out so i like it for the hodgepodge of platforming mechanics and just the fact that a bad platformer is still kind of good to me because i fuck with mm. the genre heavy again i can acknowledge that's not a good game and i wouldn't like recommend it widespread but if you're like me and you're plagued by the like the the the, the platforming first because there's not a lot of platformers out there i'm like yeah if, if you're if you're making a little, I need you a lot. So those are my mid games that I fuck with heavy. What about you? What comes to mind for this? Yeah, I think the idea of hey, this I can admit that this game isn't great, but it's in a genre that I fuck with heavy, and so I love it more than I probably should. I relate to that a lot, right? And so for me, I look at Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin that came out last year as one of those where that game has so much wrong with it. It looks ugly a lot of the time the characters are so bland the writing is so bad sometimes that it's actually pretty funny and like the plot the moment to moment of it it's like what is going on the enemy design can be generic sometimes but that said playing that game in action for me was just so fun that i didn't care about any of that if i was to give it a score it would not be a high score right like i, I wouldn't be like oh yeah this game is an eight or something but it's a game that I still have fun with and is a game that I'll still probably recommend if you're like a fucking hardcore Final Fantasy fan or you're somebody who's hardcore into action games, especially like action games from this team. If you're somebody who loves Neo or you love like a game like Wolong, then I'd be like, yeah, sure, check out Stranger of Paradise. But it's a game where all of its wrapping, all of its um, elements put together, I'm like, dude, this, the sum of its parts is so whack, but. Play, playing it enjoy <laughs> enjoying the combat enjoying the ridiculousness of it also whether intentional or not it is just a good time to me i genuinely love that game um the other one i'll throw in here is Bloodshore, and i would also loop in a lot of the fmv like whales interactive games i i, I feel bad looping all of them in here because i wouldn't say all the games are mid are mid i think they do have a play range late of, shift you still have to it's play on the list. i'm so tired every week i show up here to have my heart broken legitimately i was you talking to, i was <laughs> When I was playing, I played 10 Dates with Yami, which is one of their games. Don't and even do this to me. Just, well, you know, but just, it just, just came out. On. It's new. It's new. So we had to play the new video game. But I was like, we got to move Late Shift up on the list because 
I gotta play this game for Janet. I, I it's on my mind, but also I gotta play um, Who Pressed Mute on Uncle Marcus because I gotta figure out what the fuck that game is about. But these games are so you fucking. Know what? I'll, I'll let that one pass because the name is really funny. So yeah, in the premise is really is is really fun as well. But um, yeah, like Bl Bloodshore being one of those games was the battle royale one where it's a bunch of influencers land on an island and it's an FMV game where you're making choices and you're trying to survive in this real life battle royale and it's so campy. It's so B movie. If not, is there like below B movie? Is there C movie? Oh, yeah. It's C sure. movie. We got plenty of letters. Take your breath. The it might be D movie. Honestly, it's so low. It's so low on that <laughs> spectrum. But it is enjoyable. And again, similar to Stranger Paradise, I like the camp. I think it's fun in the way that oftentimes watching a bad movie can be fun, right? If it's ridiculous enough. But then other times for Will's interactive to shoot him some bail, they do have their hits. They do have ones where I'm like, oh, this is fun. I really like five dates. I really like ten dates. I think those games are great. I really really want to play late shift. But then I play something like The Complex and I'm like, dude, this is this is rough, dude. This story, I do not care about it at all. But I regardless, I'm gonna keep playing their games because I enjoy it, like regardless of it's mid or not. Um, so yeah, shout out, shout out to my my guys, Wales Interactive. Next question we got is from Anthony Corbett, who says, Janet, bless. What games do you want from the next phase of PlayStation? Also, why can't we get Naughty Dog to, to make a small sub team to work on that Jack Four game? We need it, Janet, and well, oh, Janet and I need it. LOL. I don't know if I need it to be honest. Again, I'd be hyped if it came out because it's like we're here now. Let's let's ride, but. I don't know what that would look like. You know what I mean? I think if anything, like it would be really cool to get two and three remade specifically or have the collection remade, which again, it's kind of a heavy lift those three fucking games. It's like kind of a lot, but I still, as much as I replayed, started replaying two and realized that actually everyone was right a million years ago. This game isn't that good. <laughs> Mm -hmm. You know, um, I see the vision, though. I can I'm like, just put a strafe in there. A couple a couple. And again, it's not easy things to do, but like a couple quick mechanical updates. And we got it. We got a pretty good game here on our hands. So I would love to see something like that, actually, because then I could live the game that I thought I played initially kind of thing. You know, uh, my fantasy can be a reality. But I think obviously definitely want to see more from the Naughty Dog team. Uh, we talk about all the time, but uh, more from. Oh, my God. Why am I blanking? Astro's. The Astro people. Oh, Team Asobi. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Team Asobi. And, uh, you know, I'm down for Astrobot, not VR. I'm down for Astrobot in VR. I'm also down for not Astrobot. I feel like they've shown that they are such a talented team that obviously my ideal would be them making a platformer, even if it's not Astro. But man, if they want to make something that's not even a platformer, like I, I trust the creativity that they have and they've done enough like dope stuff that I'm like, you know what? Whatever has your, you know, there's a few studios that are like this you know i'd love to hear the ones that are like this for you but there are a few teams where it's like whatever you're putting out there like a logo of something i've never heard of and i'm like i'm gonna ride with it you know what i mean mm -hmm. like i'm interested i'm intrigued will it actually deliver that's a different conversation but in terms of who would i love to see more projects for uh that's definitely those are the two like kind of at the top of my list but uh what about you next the next phase what phase is this phase phase two, two. phase yeah, i think we're calling yes. it phase two um, I want to see more multiplayer games. I want to see some of those multiplayer projects that you've been working on. I'd love to see something from Bungie. I'd love to see something from the Firewalk Studio that they just um, acquired. I think that would be really cool to start getting those into in there to def define what PlayStation's multiplayer output looks like. Haven Studios, what are they working on? Um, yeah. But like in terms of like the like the PlayStation stars, right? Um, Ghost, not, not, not to be confused with PlayStation stars. Not to be confused with PlayStation stars. Um, I want to see Ghost Shima too. I want that to be like yeah. the end cap of phase two. I want that to be like the, okay, here we go. Like we're going back 
Um, we were just in Iki Island. Now we're back on the proper island of Tsushima or whatever other island. I forget what Greg's whole theory was, but like, yeah, show me more. Show me more of that. I would love to see that, and I'd also love to see them maybe put out something in multiplayer because um, they have like the hirings that, or they're bringing people on to work on multiplayer stuff. And I hope it's more Legends. Um, I think that'd be cool. What is London Studio working on? You know, like they had the reveal of the concept art of them working on a fantasy game in London. I think it'd be really cool to get an actual trailer of that to see what it looks like in action. Um, I want the Horizon multiplayer game as well. Um, yeah, I forgot I really want that. I that forgot I do about want as a expand alone. Like, yeah, I feel like the you know putting in the core game is a little risky. I talked about this a bit on Games Daily with Mike, just because having played games where they're like no i promise it'll be great alone and great with friends i'm like yeah i really need my friends for like a number of reasons like mm -hmm. so many times i've had that response playing those games and i would hate for horizon to fall into that so i, I love the idea of a expand alone thing or a separate mode or some type of something that kind of like you can have your cake and eat it too um i think also too one thing i'd love to see is the redemption sounds a little dramatic but the redemption of ben studio i want to see them put out a project and be and people be like you know what they 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 got it you know they, they like is, put it together yeah like it doesn't have to be you know to me like a, a 10 or even a nine i think a really strong eight something that really moves the studio from like a critical standpoint on the upward trajectory because again they had a base with some of those elements in days gone and i feel like while you know they're going to be working on something totally different I th I believe that this team can make that game, that level of a game, and mm -hmm. I want to see it from them, and I think it'd be such a nice way to bring them more into the fold And when we talk about who are, right, the PlayStation stars. Well, I don't see them ever quite reaching, like, that naughty dog, you know, Santa Monica height. I think they can be, like, in that one of those outer layers, you know what I mean, and be, mm -hmm. like, a, a strong player there. Because, again, not everyone's going to be cranking out 10 out of 10s like that's such a rarity and nor do they need to you don't need to you're not gonna have there's no like idea of the so that dumb thing that people say who like don't understand sports they're like why can't we have a team of all jordans because you fucking can't like do i have to tell you <laughs> why that's not gonna be possible um and that's fine you don't need that you need balance diversity in in creation and thought and i feel like days gone can uh, not days gone but ben can help round that out for mm -hmm. playstation jake bakes cakes writes in and says hey y'all at the end of the ps5 generation will you be disappointed if the majority of playstation first party published games are multiplayer games or sequels for new single player ip on ps4 we got horizon ghost of tsushima bloodborne until dawn the last guardian neck death stranding dreams days gone and if you want to count it spider-man on ps5 we currently have returnal destruction all-stars and eventually wolverine that's it for right now Yet, we know a shit ton of sequels in multiplayer games. Let me know where you both stand. Thanks for all you do. You two are some of the best gaming has to offer. Jake Bakes Case, you're some of the best gaming has to offer. Thank you for writing that when Greg's not here. Oh, yeah. 1,000%. Yeah. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> I, I appreciate that, Jake. I, I would say that maybe Jake Bakes Case is the best some uh, cakes have to offer. Yeah. Mm, yeah. You, know? you think he's like, he's up there in the cake game? Like, he, I mean, he, he I mean, says your he's name, baking the, the cakes. Name. It's in the name. Yeah, like, well, like, the cakes were just good, just because cake is in, in your name doesn't mean you're like in the top five that you're you caked know. up. No, you got cake in the name. Like you're probably you know you're cooking in there, especially baking. Like bacon's tough. That's a science. Like, yeah, I love the idea like, that Jake bakes cakes has like a podcast that's Cake I Love You XOXO, and like <laughs> he is to cakes what we are to PlayStation. Yeah, the alternative universe. I'd I'd write into the Jake Pick, Bakes Cakes extravaganza. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, what do we do? This one, I I wouldn't be. I think it's um natural right like there's it, it wouldn't make sense as much as i love like new shit it wouldn't make sense to have franchises like horizon 
Ghost, blah, blah, you know, all those like awesome titles and just say, all right, the end, you know, let's walk away from this great world we've established and like start something new. Um, I think it's natural at this point for them to have a little bit less in the way of new IP. I still definitely want to see it. I would love for us to get one or two on top of what we already have new franchises that are at that kind of pedigree of the games mentioned, except for knack i guess because no one really fucked with knack except ironically um wow but yeah i think it's natural for um am i wrong? so harsh to knack wait you're not right you're not wrong people that's often so say harsh. i'm mean but they rarely say i'm wrong have you noticed that it's something <laughs> i've noticed but yeah that's i think it's natural progression but uh what about you are you out here hoping that knack 3 isn't coming down the pipeline or I hope Knack Three doesn't come out. Um, but when I, yeah, no, like I think for me, I would be, I'll be more upset if we weren't getting, like, if we didn't get yeah. Horizon Two, if we weren't gonna gonna get Ghost Two, if we weren't gonna get Death, uh, Death Stranding Two is a whole different thing. But like, if we weren't yeah. getting sequels to all these things that they just established, I'd be like, what's going on? Why aren't we seeing the follow-ups to all these games that you like laid the groundwork for? Right? Like, I think the PS4 generation for PlayStation Studios was about laying the groundwork, and now it's about following up and having these franchises be franchises and continuing and while at the same time finding the new franchises to exist right like i don't think we're going to stop seeing new ip i think one we you mentioned returnal we got returnal right we're going to get wolverine i imagine that like it'd be cool to see um uh house mark possibly do another new ip i don't think returnal 2 is necessarily a given um i think you have room for that there i think you have room for new ip and something in 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 the, the multiplayer stuff right i know no multiplayer maybe doesn't get as much excitement from the single player crowd in terms of new and exciting stuff but i think there's room we just talked about ben studio i'm i i think it's report we actually we know that ben studio is working on something new yeah or maybe siphon filter who knows but i would expect something new i'd expect a new ip there's yeah, gonna be room for that a, there was a presentation where they were like sitting and they were like where well, we got something coming down the pipeline yeah and, you know i vaguely remember that so they're definitely they, they got something uh in in the works for sure uh, we got a few more questions that we're going to go through. Let's, let's do this question from Maverick Zero, who writes in and says, with Street Fighter VI release coming in a few months, what crossover slash guest characters would you like for them to add? I would love to see Kiryu Kazuma from Yakuza or Kiyosuke from Rival Schools. Is this, this is a, all you. This all is your best. This is a you question. Yeah, take it away. All right. So first of all, I think it could be cool to see maybe a character like a crossover character from like marvel right just to get like the marvel versus mm. capcom energy in there marvel versus capcom infinite was such like a, a letdown for the audience and so i think if you want to like win back hearts maybe in and maybe save this for for later on in the cycle when people wouldn't be weirded out by a fucking weird ass character entering the fray but like wolverine <laughs> being added as a character in street fighter 6 i think that would bring back a lot of good faith in terms of oh shit wolverine's back oh man okay like they're fucking with the xbox or with the xbox with the um x-men characters let's fucking go i can't wait to see what they do with marvel's capcom the next one i think it, that could be a way to lay that groundwork and also wolverine is just a character that a lot of people love from marvel's capcom so i think that could be fun exactly uh yoshimitsu from tekken i think that could be the, the a cool thing to return the favor of course in tekken 7 you had akuma um as the guest character from street fighter in tekken 7 i think yeah to return the favor yoshimitsu is a character that you'll see make crossovers here and there like yoshimitsu was also in soul caliber as well um and so yeah i think getting yoshimitsu in, in street fighter would be entertaining and fun and that's the kind of character that you don't already have in street fighter because i was also thinking like okay what if you got jack in there or what if you got like you know other law or somebody but street fighter already has so many bases covered in terms of the the archetypes and i don't think there's like a yoshimitsu 
in Street Fighter. So I think that would be a fun one. And then my final answer for this one would be Axel Lowe from uh, Guilty Gear Strive. And that's just personal. This is me playing favoritism. I fucking love that character in Guilty Gear Strive. And one also, I think having in like the Capcom um, uh, Arc System Works connection could be exciting. I think that could be cool since Arc, Arc System Works is so big in fighting games. And they've been the ones that have been like, carrying the 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 scene on their back for like a lot of the cool technical 2d fighters and to have like that make an appearance in street fighter could be really special and axel low i think in terms of the long range aspects of his moveset would fit right uh, would fit really well in street fighter like i would think of him as a um dalzim but even a more fast-paced dalzim and a more precise dalzim i think that could be pretty fun Next question comes from Sky Walkup, who says, A moment in gaming that will always stick with me is the start of uh, Act 3 of Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, Sky Walkup then described it, but I edited this out because I don't want to spoil Ghost of Tsushima for people. But what is a moment in PlayStation, in a PlayStation game, that will stick with you forever? Danny Garcia. For me, I mean, it's tough because it's like, I don't always have the distance to know this with some of these titles, especially the ones that came to mind were like, more recently played ones um but for me without getting into spoilers for last of us 2 um after you know early on there's like you know the one of the big moments that happens in the game and then it's like the classic all right like you know grab i don't know a fucking notebook and then meet me downstairs when you're ready and you get this time to like walk around um you know the house and you can look at like the picture frames and you know the watch and all these different like aspects that are around and there's this um weight of i think like loss and in emptiness and again i keep using the word intimacy but like a really intimate moment to that scene um it's slow it's at your own pace and you know i'm sure there are people that played it and they're like i just fucking got my shit and then i dipped out of there you know like there are people that are a little bit more gameplay centric wanting to move the things forward but i feel like that was such a a good mashup of having like a really big moment and sort of giving that moment as much space to breathe as you want it to um it kind of reminds me of like was it you know you kind of had that a bit in like life is strange like i think it was the first one where there's a scene where you're like on the bed and you're listening to i think it's like death cat for cutie or some shit like something like where life is strange brand music and it sort of just pans around and you as the player get to pick when you get up and kind of you know it's that classic like feet touch the ground you're back in reality you're like opting to return to what life is now after this moment and i think that mm-hmm. was so well done and cool and like some of my favorite aspects of the last of us franchise in general are the more sim elements of it you know the like walking or the, the getting the materials and you're crafting you're slowly walking and you know i spent so much time in that franchise just besides the fact that i was i think writing the guide for the second one so i was like okay i really gotta know this area so i can describe it to people but you know even just playing for fun like walking around and noting the the coffee shop that's there and the laundromat and what's written on the board and sometimes related to the puzzle and not. so for me that last of us two scene hits really hard even though it's not like a cutscene or anything it's just kind of a moment that you can opt into um lots of cool stuff from last of us two that pop out you know the red lighting for ellie's face when you like see her do this like crazy takedown shit uh, and the horizon tall next stuff just because it looks beautiful it's very grandiose mm. uh, i think it's very well scripted so both like a few key scripted moments and then a few things that just hit for me because i was really in it at the time and just feeling like getting space to cement that memory i think is what last of us 2 did with that house moment um after like that first kind of i wouldn't call it the act because i don't know what days the fucking or the days and shit but that that's mine Mm -hmm. uh what about you mine also involves the last of us moment uh sam and henry in the last of us uh one was such the first time i played that moment was such a like 
it hit me right like that shit blew me away uh in terms of oh, i did not see that coming and damn like this hurts to watch like this hurts to know yeah. that like this moment just happened that caught me so off guard the first moment that the first time i experienced that uh and i think that moment will always stick with me in terms of damn that wowed me uh but also the end of metal gear solid 3 is another special one like metal gear solid 3 just in general throughout that game has that game has so many moments but the end of it where you are fighting the the, the final boss um that is such a well um I guess placed boss fight in terms of the set dressing and how it looks and how everything swells together. I thought that was really special. And then also the, the end boss fight, um, like the end, finding the end, right? The boss that's named the end. Uh, that was another moment for me that was really special. And then one more is, but with keeping it vague, I'll just say the horse moment in Shadow Colossus. Um, uh, I feel like I know. even I know what that is, but I haven't played the game. Maybe yeah. reason I don't want to finish it because I already know like where it goes. So but like, I, okay. I, dude, when I played that back in the day, I was like, dude, this. This hurt. I didn't realize how much I, I I cared about this. People do talk about that like all the time. It's probably one of the most iconic moments in gaming. Um, real quick too, before we move on to the next one, I do mm -hmm. want to shout out just the openings of some games. I think when you either play a game a lot over and over again, or it was just maybe really impactful to you, it really sticks in your mind. So for like older ones, the opening to MGS2 with like being on the bridge, seeing the rain. At the time, the graphical fidelity to me was unreal mm. and looking back i'm like this doesn't it look, doesn't look that good because <laughs> it was like a you know ps2 or whatever um but i remember seeing that the smoking the cigarette tossing it in the rain like it being such a cool moody cinematic moment and um because i played jack and dexter really often especially the first one i replay that game pretty regularly while i don't have it perfectly down like the opening monologue sticks in my mind you know like we, for years we've searched, you know, I've asked the rocks, but the rocks do not recall, you know, even the rocks do not recall for the answers lie on the shoulders of a young boy oblivious to, you know, and the, just, I think too, like the voice acting of that game is so iconic and cartoony and over the top that, you know, that lead in on the boat where Samus is like, you know, or this, this, the sage is like the, it, was it like it ends with like not a like like many stories this begins with a simple act of disobedience like they were just kind of in their bag when they wrote that shit so mm. like while i don't have it perfectly memorized yet like hearing that over and over again it's like one of my favorite scenes in gaming just to like hear that monologue play janet i got two more questions i want to throw out you uh, but before we get there I want to let people know about patreon.com slash kind of funny games over on patreon.com slash kind of funny games you can go and get the show ad free and speaking of ads let us tell you about our sponsors Shout out to Honey for sponsoring this episode. Honey is the easy way to save when shopping on your iPhone or computer. Thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. And we all know there's nothing better than the feeling of saving money. Honey's the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. Here's how it works. Imagine you're shopping on one of your favorite sites. When you check out, the Honey button appears and all you have to do is click apply coupons. You wait a few seconds as the Honey guy dances it searches for coupons it can find for the site. And if it finds a working coupon, you will watch the prices drop. We hear it kind of funny. You've been using Honey for years, and it has literally saved us thousands on tech, costumes, food, you name it. Honestly, I just love how easy it is to set, forget, and save. Honey doesn't just work on desktops. It also works on your iPhone. You just activate it on Safari on your phone, save on the go. And if you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out. By getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this show. You can get PayPal Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash kindoffunny. That's joinhoney.com slash kindoffunny. 
Shout out to Rocket Money for sponsoring this episode. We all love gobbling up content and we have an understanding of what subscriptions we use. Or do we? Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions when the actual total is closer to $200. That's right. You, you, you out there. You could be wasting hundreds of dollars each month on subscriptions you don't even know about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending and it helps you lower your bills all in one place. Rocket Money has saved some of us here at Kind of Funny a ton of money and it can help you too. Stop throwing away your money. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to Rocket money.com slash kind of funny that's rocketmoney.com slash kind of funny r-o-c-k-e-t-m-o-n-e-y.com slash kind of funny if you're an athlete you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down after all a team is only as good as its weakest link so you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field that's why there's no vape in team when you vape you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Janet, we're back. I want to do this question from David Robinson, who writes in to thekindoffunny.com slash KFGD and says, what is a trope in games that you dislike and how would you change it so that it's still a commonly used theme slash mechanic, et cetera, but to your preference? Janet, is there a trope in games that you dislike? A mechanical trope? Going underwater when you're on an underwater game. Um, <laughs> mm. um, I think if you're not an underwater game, stay clear you can have swimming because it's annoying to just like instant die it feels very dated but don't don't be all up in the water it's only ever okay at best like mario odyssey that's like one of the weaker areas horizon i feel like it's not my favorite you know stealth kelp what is that i i never bought it they should stop selling it um <laughs> but something that could accomplish the same thing i uh I don't know. Just don't. I just don't go underwater. I'm, just not, I'm trying to think of what is being underwater accomplished that you can't do on land. Mm. I guess maybe um, weaving through tunnels. Maybe have more air stuff. Let's fly a little bit more. Flying's like swimming of the sea of the sky. You know. <laughs> so Flying think, is the swimming uh, of the uh, sky. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I think we should take to the skies. You know. 
Shouts and tears of the cane are coming out. That's what Link's doing. He's taking those guys. And I think we should all follow him up there because that's where it's at. Mm. Um, and I, But, like, you know, what's your the... problem? Is your problem with underwater stuff is that it's sluggish and controlling it can often be whack? Because, like, just yeah, putting like... it in the sky fix that. I it guess helps. Yes, because it I does. think it helps. Sky yeah. stuff can be faster, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of issues with being underwater. It's often, it is more naturally sluggish, it's slower. And it usually feels like there's a layer of of bad tedium because i think especially when you're going underwater you know i think tedium has its place when it makes sense with, with what you're doing and when it's slightly on your own terms so like when mm-hmm. i discuss the tedium of the last of us that i really like that's very opted in you know you can kind of just quickly go and you don't have to look at the freaking fake starbucks i have and all that you know you do have to scavenge but that's kind of it um underwater it's like you're stuck there it's slow like especially like in horizon like the combat doesn't really translate i mean they added the they do have the um which is in the trailer so it's not spoiler the flying machine that can go under again their solution they're like what if we flew underwater and that's how they're like they're just trying to like you know gloss it over so yeah the water bird's definitely a good solution um i'm sure there's a a narrative themes that i could think of but i can't quite grab any off the top of my head but mechanically the water thing do you think there would be a hullabaloo if horizon 3 didn't have underwater stuff if they're like oh man this didn't work we're not we're just not gonna do it and like the game comes out and people are like wait what about underwater (laughs) this game's a step back (laughs) i think they could what they could make keep um obviously there's an element of uh hunting that involves water because the fish are in the water so you have to go there um Mm. to get them but there's also um the caves i was kind of fine with because you're sort of weaving and exploring um I guess you can leave the underwater caves in there. I didn't really have a big beef with that. Also, what's nice about the underwater caves is you'd be underwater, but then you'd get up to, like, actually battle things. And the idea of, like, a monster that can or a machine that can be in the water and then come on land is still cool. So there's still water in the world. But, like, you know, Horizon 1 had aspects of that, just not to the same degree. But the idea of, like... I'm going deep in there and I'm trying to find this thing and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Horizon didn't dip too far into the water stuff, which is why I think it didn't like mess with the game. Because often when you were in the water, they're like, and then we drain the town and it's all good. And you're back on land because no one wants to be underwater. Let's just remove the whole thing and, and leave it to the wayside. But what about you? What would you mix and fix from gaming? One thing that's becoming a bigger and bigger pet peeve for me is drawn out onboarding. Like why, uh, when a game has a tutorial that, takes forever to go through right and it is like you're not it's not it's not even you like ushering me through story stuff or or just prompts on a screen where it is all right we're gonna teach you how to play the game and it forces you to to do that or games that yeah i think now with like um online like live sort of stuff or battle pass games now you'll see a lot of games be like all right do these test matches like that'll teach you how to play the game before you get into the, the the real the real thing and i'm like dude I'm. I did a preview of this game two months ago, and this is a very specific use case. But like, right. you know, the, I played this game at my friend's house two months ago. Like, it, it could be something like that, right? Like, I I know how to play this game. I don't need to spend the first forty minutes of me playing this thing relearning how to play it when all I want to do is sit down and immediately play with my friends. Like, my friends will tell me this shit. Like, I don't need yeah. to relearn how to play these games. I think any game that ha- that is thinking about doing that, like forced onboarding should have a menu item in the in the main menu that just says tutorial if i really want to sit and learn those mechanics or if you're a single player game yeah make it part of the story make it part of like you know give me the give me the prompts the first time you want me to attack something that says square to attack you know like make it part of the experience don't 
halt my enjoyment because you want to make sure that I know something for sure. Um, I think making that stuff that stuff more natural is is is, is way better because I get more frustrated when I feel like my time is being wasted and the game is like, oh no, but here's how you pick up collectibles. Come over here. Yeah. Press triangle. I, I, I agree, especially the multiplayer thing. Like I remember it wasn't as egregious, but us having the same thing when we played. What was that like? Arcade again? Arcade again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Arcade again's a big yeah. The red red flag on this one for Arcade again. Um, it wasn't as bad as other games, but it did have the. Uh, nothing's worse, and that's why like one of the most popular searches. So like, if y'all write guides out there, add this to your repertoire if you haven't already. Is how to play like online, how to play multiplayer co-op, which I know it's dumb to say multiplayer co-op, but that's just how people Google it. So you should probably write it that way. But it's because it's so often like that question of what well, can i do it now do i have to first do these other things and if i have it's like you have to do like you pre-prepare to game and i feel like that definitely zaps some of the fun out of it i think from a single player um example or use case too one thing i've liked for onboarding for more complex systems is the either someone teaches you in the world or you're teaching someone like i thought again i'm not to fucking kiss horizon's ass all the time but like i thought horizon did that well with having it be oh let me know how to do this and it's really it's just a tutorial but it's like narratively it's like you're teaching it and you're in the action something else i've liked to i've enjoyed seeing um which horizon does this i know i'm sure other games do it as well it's sort of more um i I don't know the right word for it but kind of responsive to you ui implementation for tips like one thing i've noticed playing like the dlc for uh burning shores is that it'll like i'll be doing an action and it'll give me like a little tip will pop up that'll Mm -hmm. be like hey like it's related to like what i'm doing so like targeting armor isn't gonna like be as effective but if you knock the armor off like it will be effective so it'll take multiple you know and again like i don't necessarily need that information but it could point to like we've all had those moments gaming where you realize oh my god you can do it this way i've been doing it this other way the whole time like i wish i knew this and the idea that through design and through ui a game can be responsive enough to really the information to you as you're playing is really cool and i hope to see more implementation of that and also you know playstation has a bunch of shit going on with the cards and all that so i think there's always room there's always room for more guide-esque options baked into the game by design to you know remove the need to seek ancillary stuff or sit in tutorials for hours yeah i 1000 percent agree and also i think there's just an element of Feel free to trust the player. This is me going back to the most player stuff where, yeah. you know, I've done, I had played the, a little bit of the beta for Exo Primal, um, what, like a month ago or so? And that game starts off with a tutorial, right? And like, I'm playing through the tutorial, like, obviously, cool. I don't know how to play this game. So yeah, sure, teach me. But also, like, playing through it once I got through the tutorial, I'm like, I could have figured this, this stuff out. One thing I appreciate about when I played the Overwatch beta years and years ago, back in 2016, is like, that game has like, a, had a practice option where you can go into the, the shooting range and test shit out. But, the game really is just like, all right, like you boot up, you're in the main menu, start a match, play. And it's a simple game. Like it's a first person shooter that's objective based. And like, I hadn't pushed a payload before I did in that first match. And I was like, oh, I get how to play this game. Right. Like, I think, I think there's something there in terms of just trust the player. Like they'll, they'll get through it. Um, so I'm yeah. laughing because I'm thinking about how bad I am at Overwatch too and how much I don't <laughs> know what's going on. I'm just, they did this shit for people like me where I don't know what's going on. But that's Fair a enough. different thing because I, lack some of the deeper understanding of how to like you know that's like not really the game's fault it's like a okay i know what i need to do but like how do i make this fun and interesting yeah like you know like and that's the barrier that I, that I had in that but uh yeah i did i did appreciate that it had that split where i did go into the little the training range. things and do the little like you can also do some like cpu based matches and stuff like they have a they do have resources there which i think are 
nice to have for folks that need it, but also cool that you can just jump in, especially with it being a sequel to a game like that. I'm, all, I'm, really all, important. I'm also just impatient is what I'm realizing. And I think yeah, this no. just comes with like, you know, we we get access to, to to a lot of games, right? I think with Game Pass, with PS Plus, people in general are getting access to more and more games. I if I if I've been waiting like two years for this game that I'm really looking forward to, and I'm like, dude, I can't wait to get my hands on the sticks and fucking bash some enemies' heads in, and I pick up a controller, and they're like, here's 30 minutes before you can do anything. I'm like, oh god damn it! All right, fine. Like I'll stick through the story stuff so I can like fucking fight this goblin <laughs> that I want to fight. You know what I mean? But hey, it is what it is. Janet, I got just one more question for you to close this thing out, and I wanted to end with a spicy question. This comes from Ro, who writes in and says, what do you think is the most overrated PlayStation game? Man, okay. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, maybe Shadow of the Colossus. But I thought you were going to say like Uncharted. People, How dare you say Shadow Colossus? I was Colossus. thinking about saying Uncharted, but Uncharted is good. I mean, it, I think it is higher rated than it should be. I'm trying to think if there's something more. It might be Uncharted. I feel like it's such a boring answer because we've talked about that, like, at length. But it might be. Just for the... But is the gap really that bit? Yeah, I think the gap's probably at least a little bit big enough because people talk about that like it's, like, the greatest thing ever, and it's it's really good. Maybe even great, but I don't think it's, you know, moving the needle as much as... It, well, maybe it moved the needle, but like it existing now isn't as interesting as it existing then, I think. But I'm trying to think if there's, if there's anything else that kind of falls into that category. It really might just be those two, where it's like the people that love it really love it and are like, how dare you? And the people that don't are like, actually, I dare. Those are the two that come to mind. But what about you? Is there anything that feels more uh, poignant for this kind of thing? Not, not that comes to mind. Like, this is one I struggle with a little bit in terms of overrated, because I feel like that's it's kind of a loaded word in terms of can something be overrated, right? Like, if a lot of people love it, then a lot of people love it, right? Like, it's more so I'm just in the minority of things. Um, I think the, the original Uncharted trilogy a little bit. Like, I play through those games and i'm like these are great these are great games but they never struck me as i think that's special. a better way to zero in because i do think four four felt like four we finally for me, got there yeah four we finally me. yes like the idea is finally all clear and I, I might still not maybe rate it quite as high as other people do but four was like after three games which you know that's, that's how progress works after three it's like we finally did what we were doing the whole time but it actually like worked better even though it is a, a bit too long i think but mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that, with the, the main trilogy being the bigger answer to this rather than four. And again, I haven't played Lost Legacy yet, but I heard it's really good. I, like, part of me was considering doing God of War, but, like, I can't bring myself to say God of War. Like, I think, I love God, I love God of War, I mean, God right? God of War is really good. Like, I gave that game a five, five out of five, and every time I think about the special moments of Ragnarok, I'm like, nah, I can't call it, I can't call it overrated. But I think even, I think God of War 2018, when I replayed that game, I was, like, I might not love this game as much as I originally thought, but I still love it. You know, like when I when I go back the second time and I already know what's happening, I'm already like filled in on the story. The moment to moment gameplay of God of War for me doesn't strike me as special as like as I originally conceived. But like even going sure. into Ragnarok, I, I still had some of those some of those same things. But the overall package is so fucking good <laughs> that like it, it it still works for me. It still comes down as no, this is still a masterpiece. And so I, I can't commit to God of War with that one. 
a slightly, I mean, it's not a deep cut because people know this fucking game, but just in terms of what you think of for overrated, Detroit uh, Become Human, it might be overrated, you know? Because I played this and I was like, this is so good. Like, it's so like beautiful. Like the, the stuff they did with music in this game fucking hits super hard. They like had different composers for each of the characters. Like it goes deep. But when you really look at it, it's like, it reminds me of that, um, there, there's like this like TikTok audio going around of like, now that I look at it, this bitch is kind of ugly. <laughs> it's, Damn, that's trying to become human low key because it's, Honestly, it's a really head ass story. Like it's very, it kind of reminds me of like, and I haven't rewatched I mean, Crash. But like, every David Cage game. Yeah, I was going to say, Heavy, Heavy Rain is probably the real answer now that I think about it. Cause like I fucking loved Heavy Rain when I played it originally. And then like, as I, as time separates from it, I'm like, well, was that game good or was it just unique? This game <laughs> kind of like, it, it, it's weird. Cause like, I do think just purely in terms of like the choice mechanic and the way the narrative branches incredible there are some scenes here that i think are really amazing however like when you really and i knew this when i played it because i didn't play it like right when it came out but i was like some of what it's saying with this like i don't know about this rioter race storyline and then it's got it's got a lot of head assery which again that is kind of david cage's bag so it mm. makes sense that this happened but like the more that i get away from detroit become human the more it's like I don't know if I'd really recommend it because I don't want someone thinking I'm head ass. You know what I mean? Like I'm going down by association recommended to try to become human to somebody. So this might be the most overrated PlayStation game. But like, here's in the that thing. Sense. I feel like Detroit Become Human. It maybe is overrated in the sense that like, I don't know. I feel I feel like Detroit Become Human is um, divided in terms of how people feel about it because I think there's a lot of people that are like, no, like this sucks. Like no, we're not. I'm this story sucks. And then there's like an, the other side of people that are like, oh, it's pretty good. No, I, I I enjoy this thing, but I don't know anybody that's like fantastic they knocked it out the park like i was wondering i think at the time though it was that oh yeah you know what i mean like i feel like it had like what's the i don't know if you can look up the, the metacritic right now on like what this That's sits at question, but i feel actually. like it, i feel like it pretty it sits pretty high and i just think at the time it kind of reminds me of like and i haven't rewatched this but my brother told me that the movie crash he's like you know how like when crash came out everyone was like holy shit like this changed how i think about society and race and all this stuff and then he's like i watched it the other day and like this movie is so basic and dumb at parts and like it's not nearly as the, and kind of the same thing with cloud atlas like i loved cloud atlas when i first watched it you know the movie based on the book and i was like wow this is so cool and then i showed isaiah it and i was like actually this is kind of like it's kind of rudimentary now i look at it and i feel like that's where detroit become human kind of ends up landing crash is like such a good comparison i never thought about that comparison because yeah i watched that i watched crash in high school i think i think i watched it in like a film class in high school or something and then like I'll, i finished that movie and i was like wow it's deep that's wild yes. I, I, and like you i get so, and then like time passes and i'm like was that movie good or was i just in high school and like i was and i hadn't like watched a movie like that before detroit though like I might need to replay Detroit to confirm my feelings on it because I liked oh it. God. I like Detroit Please a lot. Please clue me in if you do. I like it Detroit has so much stuff. Maybe this will be there's this. It sucks because there's not an occasion to replay Detroit. Like what the next Quantic Dream game is probably coming out 30 years from now, and it'll finally be Star Wars Eclipse. Um, but like, you know, like I I enjoyed Detroit Become Human more so just for the choice based gameplay and yes. for my and for my guy Connor. Like Connor for me carried that game. That was like the cop detective robot. You know when you say a cab, it includes Connor. No, I hate oh, to tell you. don't yeah. put Connor I hate in to that. Tell you. Unfortunately, that uh, does include him. God I will say, bless. Do you want to know when the fi uh, fifth year anniversary of that game is? Detroit. Yeah. Oh, that's coming up, isn't it? One month from today. Jesus. I mean, there that might go. be the five-year anniversary. Someone, play, play dude. Some, someone 
fly me out or drive me out to SF because I really want to like just front to back. Let's just marathon this, knock this out, you and me, and dig into the weeds here because there's so much to unpack and I've had no reason to unpack it. Also, shout to Detroit coming out like the narratively, like when did this happen? It says Detroit 2038. So we're like not that far away from this being our reality. Just, you know, heads up, words to the wives. But um, <laughs> Detroit Become Human is problematic fave for me. That's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. That's it's the like thing. I, As I played that game, there were so many moments where I was like, oh, this is not good. Oh, man, this, no, this is weird. Why are all these androids singing? Why are we doing a Martin Luther King march in this thing? Like, and then no, it's we should like, not oh, be doing the android this. who's, oh, he's he's black, but he's not black because when you take off his skin, he's just a robot. Like, there's so much shit here. But then you get to Con <laughs> then you get so to my guy Connor, and he's just this cool dude. Well, he's a cop, I do fuck but with Connor, still. but then, yeah, you do. <laughs> I, I do fuck with Connor, though, But, like, too, his gameplay is so fun, and I liked his detective I stuff, and he has a good spirit. One of the best moments in that game was like a Connor moment for me, which I don't want to spoil. Because also, I don't even know if you saw that moment because we had different pathways. Anyway, Let's, so much. I'm down for the here replay. To unpack. Most, uh, yeah, yes. Oh my god, I just uh, I'll tune in if I can't be there. But I I feel like there's a lot within me for this game. <laughs> this might be the most overrated PlayStation game. Um, I don't know, but there we go. Detroit become human. Didn't expect to talk about that today, but I didn't. I didn't yeah, I didn't think the topic of the show would be ending on Detroit, Detroit become human, but here we are. Uh, let's talk about this week in PlayStation. I want to talk about Horizon, right? What are our biggest, what are our biggest desires for the future of Horizon? Uh, this last week, Horizon 3 has been officially confirmed in some essence. Uh, this is from Anthony Wood at IGN. Guerrilla Games appears to have quietly announced a Horizon Forbidden West sequel while de detailing a management reshuffle on its website. Uh, quote, we have, a f we have full confidence in our leadership as they steer Gorilla towards a bright future, expanding the world of Horizon with Aloy's next venture and our exciting online project. Read a post spotted by Eurogamer announcing the departure of veteran studio director Angie Smets. Smets has been promoted to head of development strategy at PlayStation Studios following a near 20-year stint at Guerrilla Games. Feature Horizon games will now be developed under the leadership of co-studio directors Joel Eschler, Hella Schmidt, and Jan Bart Van Beek. Uh, Janet. When you think about the future of Horizon, when you think about Horizon Three, what's what's what would you say is your one biggest desire for it? Ooh, man, to only have one. Um, I guess I would say a more emotional angle for Aloy and her journey, which we've seen a little bit through Burning Shores. Um, you know, we kind of talked about that during the review, where you kind of took us through, um, you know, everything that that kind of does and how it really builds on the base of Horizon Forbidden West. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had a, a big list I went through with Mike on uh, our episode of Games Daily when this story broke. So definitely check that out if you want me to go really in the weeds um, on like little mechanical things I want. But I think that's probably like the biggest gap that Horizon is kind of facing right now. Um, and I already talked about my water issues earlier in the show, but uh, what about you? What are you uh, hoping for for this next iteration? Um, I'm hoping to see more of the spirit of, of, of what we got in Burning Shores in yeah. terms of characters and like I loved Seika in Burning Shores so much I want to see more characters like that right more more characters that feel like they they have this genuine genuine connection with Aloy and they're able to bounce back off of Aloy and Aloy is able to kind of like have these equals that she's able to talk to and more interesting ways right like I think that was such a great uh, um, a, a great introduction of a character and also like Burning Shores just added um, added a lot in terms of what it looks like when you have a map that is built for the PS5 and then also your um you have this ability to fly through the the the, the map with the water wing and like you know the way that they divided that map up for that I thought worked really well so I think think thinking about those elements thinking about how you can switch things up from Horizon Forbidden West into Horizon 3 it could be cool um but yeah I also just don't I don't want them to change a lot weirdly enough 
like I enjoyed Horizon Forbidden West so much, and I think they have a bag here. I don't need them to turn the game into Breath of the Wild or anything too weird or crazy. Like I mean, give me more of what you've got, you've given me, and just iterate like iterate in ways that like look at the feedback you've gotten for horizon forbidden west look at the feedback that you've gotten in for the franchise and tweak those things polish those th those things up and then round out the trilogy for me i'm i'm good with that uh before we get out of here i do want to shout out our ps plus games uh the ps plus monthly games for may are grid legends chivalry 2 and descenders and then for a quick uh, PlayStation picks, right? Let's talk about the drop this week. Picks, 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 picks. We got After Image for PS5 and PS4. We got Strayed Lights for PS5 and PS4. We got Kaizuna AI, Touch the Beat for PS4 and PSVR. We got Live Alive for PS5 and PS4. We got Monster Hunter Rise, Sunbreak for PS5 and PS4. And we got Star Wars Jedi Survivor for PS5. Of course, uh, I've just been playing Star Wars Jedi Survivor for PlayStation Picks. And so you should go check out the Kind of Funny Games cast where we do our full review of Jedi Survivor. Survivor, where Greg gives it um, the official kind of funny review score, and then we all give our thoughts on the game. Um, but Janet, that's been it for PS I Love You XOXO. Uh, remember, this has been the show, uh, your weekly PlayStation podcast that you can watch live right here on patreon.com slash kind of funny games or later on podcast services around the globe. Until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you. <laughs>